If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And this morning, just in um, honor of the word of the Lord, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, if you're physically able to do so. I'd like to read this portion of scripture from Luke chapter 2. Thank you, Stan, for already beginning to share the story this morning. As today we continue our sermon series on treasures discovering the riches of Advent. Over these last, these Sundays in Advent, we've been learning about those hidden treasures, the riches stored in secret places that the Lord has for us. We've learned about treasuring the last, treasuring the least, treasuring the lost. And this morning, we're going to learn afresh about treasuring the Lord. And we're going to do so through the eyes of this particular um, passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verses 21 and running through verse 39. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised You now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84 or alternatively, she was a widow for 84 years. So she's either 84 or potentially 105 years old. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Lord Jesus, we hold in our hands and we have spoken the words 
of your gospel. And your gospel is the very power of God unto salvation. So Lord Jesus, we tremble before your word this morning, recognizing, O God, that these are words of true life to us. And we receive them, Lord Jesus, today with glad and open hearts. And we pray, Lord, even as we have opened your word and read it, now, Lord, as we unpack it today, I pray that, Lord God, this will come to us not as simply information, but, Lord, that you will come with impartation that will result in transformation of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be together here now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, depending on your own family traditions, either tomorrow night or on Tuesday morning, likely in most of your homes, you'll be unwrapping and opening up various gifts, just like we got to do back here this morning. You can see my wife's lovely shawl, and I got a lovely new red shirt, which will go great in time for Christmas. Beautiful. Cranberry. Like it. It's beautiful. Pastor Ben, you got to show the hat. Pastor Ben got the hat from the youth. All right. Stand up. We got to see you well. Now, there's a fine looking man. And you're going to be searching around and looking for those special treasures, finding those under the Christmas tree. But this morning, I just want to take a moment for us to again remember the true treasure of Christmas. Again, as we've been discovering these riches of Advent over these, this Advent series, we've learned a lot about hidden treasures because sometimes in all of the sparkle and all of the, the, the hoo-ha and the noise and everything else, we can lose sight of the things that are truly significant and important. The treasuring of the last, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to treasure the least. This is pure religion, to love the widow, the orphan, to treasure the lost. Go make disciples of all nations. God's great commandment, his great concern, his great commission. But all of those Start with the heart of the matter, the center of the matter. Because we'll never truly treasure the lost, last, the lost, the least, unless we first learn how to treasure the Lord. And so this morning, I'd like to take this opportunity through the eyes of Joseph and Mary and, of course, Simeon and Anna here to discover some understanding, to sort of unpack this and walk through this and learn how it is that you and I can treasure the Lord. Now the story begins here in verse 21 on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him. And so I think what I'd like to do for a few moments here is just sort of unpack this you know, I mean, we read through the words and they go by quickly, but I want to just take a moment to pause 
because I think there's significant preparation that's going on here already in Joseph and Mary, and they're following and they're being obedient. They're being very devout and pious in their faith in walking out the prescriptions of the law. And one of the things that we discover later on in Jesus' ministry, he comes, he says, I didn't come to overturn the law. I came to fulfill it fully. And so he fulfills the law in every respect, even from the time as a child under the care of Joseph and Mary. And there's this preparation that's going on for this treasuring of the Lord. So on the eighth day, they bring Jesus to have him circumcised. Now this is something that was required, again, by the law in Genesis chapter 17. This is my covenant. God is saying here with Abraham, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant that you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight years old, eight days old, must be circumcised. So Joseph and Mary knew this, and they brought Jesus to receive his circumcision. Many of you know this was a Jewish temple. A couple of years ago, there was a group of bicyclists that came by after service, and it turns out it was folks who were doing a history tour of Jewish sites here in St. Paul, and many of them had been part of this was the Sons of Jacob synagogue and took them on a tour of the building, and they showed me, and I didn't know, but back here in the, the room back here with the big window... The children's room back here, that's the room where circumcision took place. And the family would stand outside of the big window and watch the ceremony take place. That's probably good because I'd probably be there with my head between my knees, okay? So I wouldn't even be at the window. All right, if I... But it was a sign of covenant and... And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in this preparation of our own hearts for for the Lord, speaks of not simply circumcising our body, but circumcising our heart. That in doing so, there's a great vulnerability, but we take and we open our heart before Him. That he might give us not a heart of, replace our heart of stone with a heart of what? Flesh. Because he's interested in relationship with us. He's interested in covenant with us. We understand most of the time in our cultural context, we understand contracts. Signed contracts from two parties who are required to fulfill the obligations of those contracts. But God's relationship with us is not built on a contract. It's built on a covenant. Which is something much more substantive, much more lasting. And he says, how could I ever change my heart? Even if you are faithless, I will remain faithful to my covenant with my people 
whom I love. So circumcision. Jesus is circumcised here, following and fulfilling the law. And then there's a naming that takes place. On that eighth day, Jesus is named. Now, I remember when Annette and I were were, uh, pregnant with our four children. Well, I guess she was pregnant. I was. But ladies, you have no idea how hard it is for us guys to be pregnant. Isn't it true? It's true. All right, good. I hear witnesses all around. Yes, yes, yes. And we'd walk, and we had baby name books, and we would take votes, and we would, you know, one to ten, and what you wanted, and all of this sort of stuff. We, we were figuring out the names of our children. And when we were pregnant with our fourth, with Noah, we were also talking about names. And we had some names that we were thinking about naming him. And then one night, Annette had a dream. And in her dream, and, and we never knew what we were going to have. We never knew if we were going to have girls or boys. So we, in fact, we only had one ultrasound in all four pregnancies. That was with Noah because of our age. Um, they required that. But we didn't find out what he was going to be. We didn't know if he was going to be boy or girl. But in her dream, uh, there was a boy came to her. And the Lord was in the dream and said, this is your son. And his name is Noah. Well, at that point, that kind of set aside all the baby book naming, anything else, okay? We knew that his name would be Noah. Similarly, Joseph, after he had considered this, he was considering, he wasn't sure because... You know, Mary was suddenly pregnant, and he was not the biological father of that child. And he was, he was a righteous man. He was trying to figure out what he should do, and he was going to quietly divorce her. But then, after he considered this and, and said, no, you know, the angel came, don't, don't do that. So he considered this, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Likewise, Mary received a similar word when the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him what? What are you to call him? Jesus. Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the name, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You are to name him Jesus. The Lord God is our salvation. Jesus has the same background word as Joshua. In the Hebrew, it's Joshua. In the Greek, it's Jesus. Yeshua, it is the name. God is our salvation. And so when he was named, already we're getting cues into who he is and who he would be. And Mary receives this very clear word. Not only are you to name him Jesus, but he is going to be a king. And he is going to reign forever. His kingdom will not end. Stan so beautifully in his story, 
He was, what is salvation? Well, salvation is being rescued from that which you cannot rescue yourself. We could not rescue ourselves from our sin. But Jesus has rescued us. And then there's the purification. Now, this is interesting. It says, when their time of their purification, verse 22, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem. They are following, again, the rules of the law, the letter of the law. Say to the Israelites, Leviticus 12, a woman who becomes pregnant, gives birth to a son, will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. Now, there's one little interesting thing in here that it says that you, that, that, that's kind of embedded. It's, it, it's hard to get from our English translations, but, but it's not only Mary here that's going up for purification, but in the text here, it talks about Joseph and Mary together. So they are fulfilling the law, but not only are they just fulfilling the letter of the law, but God is expanding that, and they as parents are bringing and coming for their purification. Just as this morning when Nate and Ellie were standing here to dedicate Fiona unto the Lord, there was a purification going on in them as well, a preparation of their lives. Joseph and Mary were being prepared to care for this child, this unique child, the king of the universe, but placed in the hands of Joseph and Mary who came and were purified. If we are going to treasure the Lord, There needs to be a purification that happens within us. And it's much more than simply a ritual purification of coming to the temple after a set amount of days. It's an ongoing purifying of our lives through the fire of the Spirit of God at work in us. Allow that purification as a part of preparing us to receive from Him. Next, there is the dedication. There's the dedication that happens. They bring Him to the temple to dedicate Him to the Lord. Just again, as we dedicated Fiona this morning, they come because the Lord had said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male, The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. There's a dedication. They are coming to dedicate him, to bring him to the Lord. And similarly, there's this consecration. And we get this picture in 1 Samuel, and it's similar. She said to him, pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. This is when she's having this conversation with about her son whom she is bringing to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. So this is Hannah bringing and dedicating, consecrating Samuel 
unto the Lord before Eli. This consecration. Consecration is kind of an old-fashioned word. It's not one that we, we think about much, but it's and, and dedication, they're, they're, sort of, they're sort of paired twin kinds of words. There's this dedication, this consecration. And what it means is being, there's a, there's a set-apartness to the Lord. You know, that's what sanctification means. That's another of those words, like dedication and consecration. It means being set apart to the Lord for the purpose for which we are intended. Right? So... Anybody, uh, Ken, you got a comb in your pocket? All right, he carries a comb. Good man. All right? So, this comb becomes dedicated, becomes consecrated, becomes sanctified when it gets put through hair. When it does. Okay, well, I got to find some. Wait a second. Okay. Oh, found it there. Okay. Good man. Love you. All right. <laughs> All right. Ron, you must have a really dedicated, sanctified comb. One that gets to do that. Pretty cool. All right. It's what it's being set apart for its intended purpose. Here in the consecration and dedication of Jesus... He is being set apart for the destiny, as, as Hannah so beautifully put it this morning. There was the beginning and the end. We have both the manger and the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, it began here with His dedication in the temple when He was being prepared for the work to which He had been destined to do his entire life was being lived on that trajectory in every single one of us every single one of you has been given a particular destiny from the lord and sanctification is the process by which god begins to work in your soul through the power of the holy spirit to get you onto the pathway, the ancient path, the call and purposes of God for your particular individual life. Treasuring the Lord means being consecrated and dedicated to Him for His purposes in your life. Hello? (laughs) We don't just exist here to occupy some space and breathe other people's air. We are here with a purpose and destiny from the Lord. This preparation. So here in the story unfolding, we go by the words so quickly, but let me remind you of again, circumcision, there's a, there's a laying bare of our hearts. There's a naming, a calling, a purpose, a naming over our lives, over the life of Jesus here. There's a purification. There's an emptying to be ready for that which God would bring and do. And then there is this ongoing dedication and consecration. All right, now, 
let's bring our attention to Simeon and Anna and talk for a moment about their devotion. These are unique people, Simeon and Anna. A prophet and a prophetess really waiting. I mean, Simeon speaks prophetically. Anna is spoken of as a prophetess. They're waiting to declare the purposes of God. But I want you to notice just some things that are spoken about, the qualities of their life. Again, we read it, but we go over it quickly. So let me remind you again. Look at verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. There was a devotion about them. They were known as righteous. I love this in Romans chapter 1. This is what true righteousness is. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because of the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. If we are going to be devoted fully to the Lord, we must be righteous. But that righteousness is not something of our own doing. It is something of His doing in us. It is the power of the gospel within us. By faith, we take a hold of that which He has done in us and for us and through us. And we find our lives being transformed by Him. This is the righteousness. It's not sort of an external jacket that I put on. It's an internal posture of heart, of faith and dependence on the Lord. Obedient. Now, was it just, a, was it just an accident that Simeon and Anna happened to be at the temple that day when Jesus was brought in. How many of you think that was an accident? Just a pure coincidence. I don't think so. In the words of one of our former associate pastors, Hollis Graves, he uses the word, and I like this word. He says, no, that wasn't a coincidence. That was a godsidence. Part of the sovereign plan and purposes of God. They were obedient. They were where? They were in position. They were precisely where they were supposed to be at the right moment, at the right time. Romans 1. Whoops, it's not Romans 1, 16, 17, sorry. Um, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, this is from John 14, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Now again, this morning we're talking about treasuring the Lord. How can you treasure the Lord? You treasure the Lord by being righteous, by believing by faith that which He has spoken into us. We uh, treasure the Lord by being obedient to the commands that He has given to us. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Obedience opens the door to further treasuring of the Lord and His love flowing more freely through our lives. There's a dependency. 
Blessed are those. I love this about Anna. I mean, her fasting and praying continuously in the temple was a sign of her hunger and thirst for the Lord. And Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. To treasure the Lord means to declare your dependence upon Him. To continue to hunger and thirst for Him. Finally, in this devotion, what does devotion mean? It means to be righteous. It means to be obedient. It means to be dependent. It also means to be expectant. I love this in Habakkuk. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Think about Simeon and Anna for a moment. Think about them waiting in the temple. All of those years, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. They're standing at their watch, stationing themselves on the ramparts, looking to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. And the Lord replied, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. They were waiting for that revelation from the Lord. They waited, they waited with expectancy, not with resignation, but with anticipation. If we are to be devoted to the Lord, if we're going to walk in a a posture of devotion, it will be with an expectancy about the promise, just like you kids are expecting and waiting and rustling with those packages because you know that something is coming that you're going to receive that's going to be good. We wait for the promise of the Lord with expectant hearts, standing at our watch, stationing ourselves, waiting for the revelation. And that's the final piece this morning that I want to speak about in this treasuring the Lord is revelation. We've talked about preparation. We've talked about devotion. Let's talk for just a moment about the revelation. And the first is that revelation of salvation. Again, Stan, thank you for kind of opening the door for this this morning. Luke 1, 76 to 79. You, my child. Now this is going to be called, this is, this is speaking here of um, John the Baptist, okay? So we're, we're going back to Zechariah's song, okay? Zechariah is speaking about John the Baptist, who is going to be the one, the advanced man for Jesus. And another prophetic word comes out, and it says, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. John the Baptist's ministry was all about preparing the way of the Lord, preparing and showing this way of salvation. In Acts chapter eight, or Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation in the preaching of Peter and James Uh, Even before the Sanhedrin, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This morning... 
the most important way in which you can treasure the Lord. The beginning, and actually it's a place you never graduate from, is by receiving the gift and the grace of His salvation. Salvation is found nowhere else. This is the entire uniqueness of Christianity, which sets it apart from every other world religion, because every religion is all interested in how do I make myself acceptable to God, and Christianity says there's nothing that you can do, but there is one who has done it for you, and his name is Jesus, and when he went to the cross, his hands bridged the gap between you and God the Father, bringing salvation in his death and resurrection for you. He is Jesus, Jehovah, our salvation. And there is no other name. There's no other name. And he is patient. Anybody glad that God's patient? I don't know. (laughs) I see those hands, yes. I'm so grateful for his patience. With me, with us. Because it's his desire that none would perish. Listen again to the words found in our text this morning. I hope you're still there. Luke chapter 2. Listen again one more time. Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm in verse 29, verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then, verse 34, listen, don't miss this. This is so important. Simeon blessed them, said to Mary his mother, This child is destined. Here's his trajectory. Here's his destiny to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's one more piece to this revelation that we can't overlook this morning. And it's a little bit harder for us. It isn't quite as warm and fuzzy. But the revelation of Jesus is a revelation of salvation, but it's also a revelation of separation. And by this I mean the sword that's going in. This scripture from Matthew 10. Listen to Jesus' own words about himself. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life and will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is what's called one of the hard sayings of Jesus. And we embrace and love all the warmth and the beauty of the Christmas season. But let us not forget 
that it is also in the revelation of who Jesus is. He's very clear about who he is when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a way, a truth, or a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And every single one of us here has to make a decision. Are we with him or are we not with him? Because his very revelation brings a separation of truth from falsehood, of the way from the not the way, from the life from death. There's a separation and we must step from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You don't come in, as Justin shared in his testimony, on your mother's coattails. Your parents, your spouse, even your children. They're not your answer. This must be your own. So this morning, this Christmas morning... I implore you, I plead with you, I invite you, I welcome you to receive this one, Jesus, who is the Savior and King, and come out of darkness, out of shadows, and into his perfect light. Through repentance. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Jesus, I've messed up my life. Jesus, I've been trying it on my own and it isn't working well. Worship team, come on up. But Jesus, I want to receive you now, here, today. I want to welcome you into my life. Thank you for being that bridge. I want to walk across the bridge that you have made so that I can have relationship with God here and now and forever. For that is eternal life. First Peter 2, 7 and 8. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which was also what they were destined for. It's a stone. It's a stumbling. It's a place where we get stuck. Wait wait a minute. Is he the way? What does that mean? I thought he was just a way. No, he's the way. Ah, is he part? No, but there's truth. No, he is the truth. I'm trying to find life in all of these other places. No, he is the only one who will bring you life. The only one. Philippians 2, 5 and 11 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is all about, this is kind of pulling together now, our treasuring. We're not viewing one another or the Lord as either a target or a tool. Something that we use. But rather as a treasure. And we're treasuring one another, the lost, the last, the least. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the end of the story, people. Every knee will bow. But we get to choose to bow now. In this Advent, the Lord is inviting us to prepare our hearts to devote ourselves to Him and to embrace the revelation of His salvation. In doing so, we're going to discover the truest riches of Advent as we treasure Him, as we treasure the Lord. Do you treasure Him this morning, people? I want to treasure Him more. I want to open up my heart wider to Him. I want to embrace the revelation of His salvation. Jesus, come and circumcise my heart again today. Lord, purify. I want to dedicate and consecrate myself to you. Jesus, I want to walk in righteousness. Lord, I want to walk in obedience. Lord, I want to walk in dependence and with an expectant heart. Jesus. We could stand together. We must respond today. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, today I'm going to invite you into the most precious relationship you will ever experience. This is not a religious exercise. This is about a relationship with the living God. Come and receive Him today. And maybe this... Maybe your life, you've been walking and things have been kind of turned around and upside down. And maybe you've been distracted by many things. But today, you want to once again consecrate yourself to Him and say, I want to treasure you, Jesus, at the heart of everything that I am and everything that I do. I want to treasure you. I want to be sanctified and set apart for the destiny that you've called to me. Come see. Come see with spirit eyes. The door is open. Come and receive today. Come on, let's sing it together. If you just open your hands right now, please. Jesus, thank you that your arms are open and we open our arms to you, Jesus. We want to come and walk into your embrace this morning. We want to experience the rest, the true rest that comes only in knowing you. We want to know peace. The true peace that only comes in knowing you. We want to know life. The true life that comes only from knowing you. So Jesus, today we choose to treasure you above all else. First and foremost, center of our lives. Come. And now I pray for each one here that you'd be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, the inexhaustible strength and power 
of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. His comfort and hope. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of His favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, may His goodness and mercy chase you down every day of your life for His glory and for His praise, for His honor. In Jesus' name, I bless you, people of God. Amen. Go in His grace today.